Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced profit first strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. We've been talking about recruiting and hiring A players over the last couple of episodes, and today we are going to continue on the A player track and talk about the four wows to leverage in the hiring phase between the interview stages and making the offer to your new A player employee. So quickly, the four wows are number one, call and vet their references. Number two, invite and pay them to do a shadow day. Number three, include them in a team lunch. And number four, map out their onboarding plan. All right, so now let's dive into them. Number one, you want to call and vet their references. I would say less than 3% of employers actually call and vet their references. And it is really important to take time to do this stage. Um, Again, you know, you might be so close and you want to believe that they're an A player, but the more that you do, the more layers that you peel back and the more time you put into the recruitment and the hiring phase of an A player will give you the biggest return on investment. As I've mentioned before, top grading says that there's an 86% um, chance of hiring an A player when you're using top grading methodology. And that's when you do every single step. Um, I think when you add testing and other things, you can get that up to a 90%. But there's nothing that's ever perfect. And and things change in life. And um, sometimes people are crazy. And sometimes they can you, 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 it's hard to uncover that crazy in the interview process, but uh, it is very, very important to take that effort to vet their references. If you are wanting to build a amazing team of A players, and these A players are going to help your organization knock the socks off of your competitors, then do what other people are not doing put in that effort, put in that time. And I mean, we're talking about having a 10-minute conversation. And you've used that torque, what we've talked about, the 
T-O-R-C, threat of reference check in your interview process. So when you've talked to a candidate, you've actually asked them and you've told them, hey, I'm going to have you set up some uh, interviews or some reference checks with your former employers or managers. What are they going to tell me about you and ask those questions? And then you actually have them tee up and, and facilitate getting you connected with their references. Now, again, some companies are saying, oh, no, we don't, we don't say anything. We can only say yes or no um, if we'd hire them back, et cetera. I call BS on that stuff. I mean, your person that you're going to hire, hopefully, if they're an a true A player, have forged some good relationships, have had some mentors in their prior organizations that they worked with, or even had clients or customers that could be great references for them, but someone in their work environment. And so you have them tee up and let them know that you're going to do the reference check, have them reach out to their references and say, hey, you know, I'm going to have John call you. What's a good time to call you? And, you know, see if they're good about following through and such. Not everyone's going to do this well. And and if they don't, I mean, that's a sign that they're not truly an A player. So when you call and vet their references, uh, we will have this as a resource. But some questions that you can ask the reference checks would be what their job responsibilities were. And then uh, remember, we want to measure what they're doing. So ask the prior employer what their weekly or monthly goals were while they were there um, during their last 12 months of employment. And how many months was their goal met? Maybe it's doing so many things a day, but everything should be measurable. Every job and every position should have some metrics associated with it. So you'll want to know what metrics they had to meet and were they meeting those metrics in the job. Another great question is, if starting your own firm today, would this person be one of your first five hires? If yes, why? If no, why not? Just because a person would say no doesn't mean that it's a deal breaker, but I think that's a great indicator, um, especially if you're talking to another business owner. A third question would be, if I told you that such and such was being considered for a role where they would be responsible for this, that, and the other, would you say that this is a natural fit for them? So, um, you know, just putting them in that role and getting that person's gut reaction since they worked with them on that. A fourth question would be, on a scale of one to 10, how strong is such and such at taking constructive feedback and implementing it with success? That's a great question. So many people feel like they need permission. And if you're a small business owner, you need people who will take action and who will continue to move the ball forward and not drop the ball. And I think that's a super question to kind of vet that out. Another question, you can ask the generic, would you hire them back? Why or why not? What are their biggest strengths? What are their biggest areas of improvement? What do you feel is important to know about such and such? What word best describes this person's word work ethic? 
what motivates such and such. How many times on average do you feel you need to review and re-review a policy, procedure, objective, or execution with so-and-so before they get it? So that's a series of great questions. And again, um, make sure, you know, why do airplanes not fall out of the sky? Because pilots follow a checklist. It's best if you have all of your questions documented. Last week, we did the key competencies that are in red, and uh, the resource was the questions associated with that. And of course, you can go in and customize those questions based on the role. But you're using that to make sure that you're asking the same consistent questions. And as you do this over time, you will get better and better at it because you'll have consistency and you'll be able to start, you know, looking at the trends and where people are on things and how accurate they answer those questions and such. But I would, again, have a new hire packet that takes you through this. I have like my questions printed in a packet blank. And when I have someone come in for an interview, I just grab it and go. I'm ready to go. I've got stacks of these documents at the ready so that when I am recruiting, interviewing, hiring people, I am using these checklists. I am using the same questions with all of our candidates. So please, please, please vet those references. And um, you need to vet at least three references. So number two on the list of the four wows to leverage in the hiring phase between the interviews and making the offer is to invite and pay them to do a shadow day. Now, um, it could be just one day. It could be a weekend, maybe come in on a Saturday, or it could be a few days. But you want to keep the pay um, or the compensation below $600 so you stay under that $10.99 threshold. What's great about this is you definitely want it to be uh, a two-way street, a fit for you, and a fit for the candidate. When we were hiring for an assistant contracts manager last January, we actually had a stellar candidate, scored high on everything, came in for the interview, was really great. But again, they were, you know, fresh out of college, so hadn't really worked in an office position before and such, but eager to get a job and, and get hired. And so we invited them to come in and work for two days and actually like start doing the job to a certain degree and see what um, a couple of days in the life of an assistance contracts manager was like for two days. And they did a great job. But to be honest, at the end, they said, you know, this is not what I want to be doing every day. And okay, great. At least we only spent two days on that. Normally, we probably would have hired the person without really making sure that it was a fit for them. So I really recommend having the shadow days and um, having people come in and, of course, compensating them for that. So that's number two. Number three is to include them in on a team lunch. When we hire salespeople, when we hire 
not entry level people, but more the exempt employees who are in management or supervisor roles. Um, my husband and I actually take them to dinner and um, ask them to invite their spouse or partner and um, just kind of get to know them on that level. It's also great, I think, for the spouse to feel included in kind of, you know, wanting to know a little bit more about the position and what life is going to be like um, under this new employer and how it might impact their family and such. But if it's an entry-level position, um, I would definitely include them in on a team lunch. I understand it's COVID right now, but we're going to get out of this real soon. Okay, we we we've got to get out of this real soon. So let's 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 imagine we're out of this and and we're back to being in the office. We're back to to being together. And so um, a, a team lunch is a great opportunity. If you have a remote staff, obviously you guys are doing something to stay connected and to socialize a bit and such. But um, it might even be fun to just you know play a ten or fifteen minute game. Uh, on Zoom with a potential new hire, just to see, like, you know, will they connect with the team, with the culture? Uh, I'll be honest, we hired someone because we hadn't implemented this at the entry level before, but we'd taken people to dinner at the exempt level of of potential hires. But we did hire an entry level person. You know, we're one of our offices is is kind of small, um, and they were part of like the the back office, and that team kind of took lunch together and such. But they just didn't gel with the team. It was like they were hiding behind their paper bag at lunch and not wanting to interact or make contact eye contact with anyone. And it was a real surprise because they had customer service experience in their past. I had actually, you know, kind of recruited them onto my virtual bench by, you know, seeing them in action at their prior job. They worked at FedEx office and real outgoing and really great with customers. But that interpersonal relationships just was a fail. And, um, and, and ultimately, um, she decided to say that the job wasn't for her. And I think the job wasn't for her was because of kind of the the culture in our office and, and the fact that we you know, do eat lunch together and we do like to laugh and have fun. And so anyways, that is number three, Um, invite them to a team lunch, invite exempt employees to dinner. And then number four is to map out their onboarding plan before you make the offer. When you map out their onboarding plan, you're going to kind of like Sketch out what you need them to learn and master by when to be successful in the job. And then helping to prioritize what needs to happen in what order. And then scheduling the frequency for how you guys are going to touch base on this and how you're going to measure their success going forward. An A player is going to love this because an A player wants to come in they are ready to work. They are ready to make things happen. And um, by doing this ahead of the hire, you're kind of making yourself accountable to your new hire's success too, and you're getting it done. And when I'm talking about mapping out their onboarding plan, I mean, it should take you a whopping 10 minutes to do it. I mean, it's just line items of, of what they need to do. And 
you could look at their the job description that you've used in the recruitment process to really um, help you just line that out and put it in order and, um, you know, maybe kind of like the training steps underneath. And then a great hack here is as you're training people, um, make sure they're taking notes and part of their check-in process with you is that they are providing you with the standard operating procedures that maybe aren't quite documented as they should be to this point. So, um, you know, that's also a great opportunity as well is to make sure that those standard operating procedures are starting to get documented and you could put that on the onus of your new hire after you make the offer. So make sure that, um, again, before you make the offer, they're seeing what their onboarding plan looks like and what you need them to learn and master by one. The worst investment is getting little to no return or worse, losing money on your investment. So this is not rocket science. You want to get an A player on your team and you want them to hit the ground running and you want them to give you a return on the investment you are making in on them in terms of what you pay them and their benefits and the employer taxes that you are paying on them. And, um, you know, you're looking for about a 4x return on what you pay someone in terms of the the value that they're giving in the company. You can also kind of reverse this too in different ways and such. But but a 4x is an excellent return on what you are paying an employee and what they are returning in value. So before we wrap up, real quick, we received an awe-inspiring email last week. And um, I feel like this is like an email pen pal, and maybe we'll put together all of the emails. But these are just amazing updates I'm getting from an individual who has been listening to the podcast, um, read Mike's books, and um, actually we connected uh in December, and and we've had a couple of quick calls and and check-ins and such. So this is his email. Hey, Mike and Danielle. Okay, I don't normally share this kind of stuff, but I felt compelled to let the two of you know what's been happening. When I found Profit First about two months ago, I was in a state of desperation, depression, and hopelessness way too much debt, hadn't drawn a paycheck in months, three months behind paying sales taxes, sales way down, life sucked. At the recommendation of a good friend, I read the book in one sitting. Holy shit, Mike, it's like you were sitting in my office talking directly to me poking me in the chest and in the forehead over and over, telling me what a dumbass I'd been and showing me a way to fix it. I immediately set up all the necessary accounts and got to work. My first several allocations I allocate on Fridays were comical. They were so small that I actually chuckled out loud several times while making them. Then something started to happen. Account balances were growing into numbers that I didn't chuckle at. Taxes got completely paid and current. 
Vendor payments starting going out in a timely fashion. Sales starting to pick up. Holy shit, Batman. This crazy ass plan is actually working. But here's the best part. All of these machinations started giving me hope that my friends is a powerful thing that affects everything around me. My work, my attitude, my sleep, the added pep in my step, everything. Now I'm finishing January with an all-time monthly sales record for my company since opening over five years ago. Margins are higher than they've ever been, and I've wiped out about 30% of the bullshit expenses I had every month, most of which were owner's piggy bank stuff. If either of you walked in my office right now, I'd give you a giant bear hug and a big wet kiss. You have quite literally saved my life. I'm not out of the woods yet, but the light at the end of the tunnel is no longer a freight train coming at me, but instead the path to a sustainable, profitable, and legacy business that will become what I dreamed of. I could never thank you enough, but I will keep trying. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and my wallet, Stephen. Oh, wow. Um, so proud of you, Stephen. I mean, I have goosebumps and you are just rocking it. You took action. I've never seen someone just go at it so hard and just make it happen. You are on a mission and you are succeeding, my entrepreneurial friend. So as we take this to a wrap, please make sure that you remember we also make it easy to follow along with our episodes and we put together a visual recap to have our visual recaps texted to you each Thursday with every new episode of Profit First Nation. You can do that by opting in and providing your cell phone number when you access our resources for the first time. Just go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on resources, and that's where you'll get to the form where you can put in your cell phone number to get the visual recaps texted to you every Thursday. And please remember that there are bookkeepers, accountants, and coaches in this world with the heart of a teacher ready to serve you and your business with their certified profit-first knowledge, skills, and experience. Just visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on connect to connect with one of my fellow certified Profit First professional peeps. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.